When last we saw him, Mephibosheth was about to meet King David. Hello, everyone. This is Rev. Brad, and you're listening to From the Touchline Podcast. My good friend Fraser Kay is retelling Mephibosheth's story while I'm away on sabbatical. What's interesting to me is that Mephibosheth lived during a time when a newly installed king would often hunt out and kill the family members of the preceding king, sometimes a rival. That way, he would quell any threats to the throne. Can you imagine that happening today, at least in first world countries? Well, you can find Mephibosheth's story in 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4, chapter 9, and chapter 21, verse 7. You can find these different mentions of Mephibosheth. So let's rejoin Mephibosheth as he's about to meet King David and find out what's going to happen. And as usual, I'll rejoin at the end to ask some questions that we can reflect on. Here we go. He's found the space, and he's found the back of the net. Just a little off foot, thinking he's going to go far post. Not strong enough with his right hand. Whips that one in. Far post, almost made him in, and they have. He has the hat trick. The second in his career. The third of the night. The hat trick hero. Talked about you're not going to be able to sustain that kind of pressure. To the corner. Goes towards the near post, and you're on the angle, and what a goal! What a goal! This must be it, I thought. The attendant knocked on the door, and it gently opened. And there he was, directly ahead, sitting on a gigantic opulent throne with room enough for two. The surroundings became blurred, as my attention focused entirely on him. I couldn't tell you what else was in that room. His clothes were sumptuous, decked in purple, royal robes. But he still had the bearing of a fighter, a real soldier king. A court official beside the king whispered something to him. Mephibosheth! David exclaimed, staring at me. I dragged myself along before bowing down as low as I could get, balancing carefully on my sticks. The last thing I wanted to do was topple over right there in front of the king. (laughs) Can you imagine? At your service, I replied, pausing for breath. Don't be afraid, he declared. With those words, the tension left my shoulders. I was amazed and scared. Yet he seemed pleased to see me. He then told me that he was going to show me kindness for the sake of my father, Jonathan. He was going to return to me all the land that belonged to my grandfather, Saul. And if that wasn't incredible enough, from that point on, I was to eat at his family table at the royal palace every day for the rest of my life. My mind froze, becoming as still as my body. Several bits of amazing news rolled into one, straight from the king's mouth. The words seemed to go over my head. I just couldn't take it in. Was I dreaming? Why me? I'm a descendant of Saul, the former king. The man David replaced. A man who I've since found out tried on several occasions to kill David.
all good reasons for David to eliminate or ignore me. I blurted out, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Trust me, I literally felt like a dead dog standing before David. But as the king explained, I slowly understood. I knew my father and he went back a long way, fighting side by side in the army. I knew they'd been close, but not that close. I couldn't have been more wrong. I learned that the two of them had made a binding covenant when they were both young men. David had promised Jonathan that when he became king, something I learned my father believed, that he would show all of Jonathan's descendants great kindness, kindness like that of the Lord. So David summoning me to the palace had nothing to do with Saul, and nothing to do with dealing harshly with any of his remaining relatives, like any other king would do. He wanted to keep his promise to my father and show kindness to his descendants. The two of them had been like spiritual and military soulmates. I immediately bowed down again. A little excitement began to bubble up deep inside me. If you had been there, you would have noticed the contrast, the difference between us. But the scene is difficult to describe. Imagine trying to paint a picture blind using only an elbow. (laughs) You just wouldn't do the scene justice. Here I was, one of the last few relatives of Saul, a leader who had lost his life in battle, and me, standing shakily on two stubs and useless legs, supported by two sticks, opposite the new and amazingly successful King David, sitting on his throne. A broken man who can't work, run a home, or keep himself, face to face with the most powerful king of all the countries around. King David eyed me up carefully the whole time. Did he see something of my father in me? Maybe he did. Except for these feet. David's kindness. What did that look like? One. All the land that belonged to my granddad Saul. Two, a place at the palace table. Always, every day. Wow, have you ever heard such good news that you felt like dancing? (laughs) I stumbled out of the giant room, but inside I was walking on air. If I could have, I would have danced back down the corridors. I was so full of joy, but incredibly humbled. At the same time I had been brought low and lifted up. My fortunes turned around so unexpectedly. It was a new day. I hadn't yet thought through how I would take care of the land returned to me. But still, what kindness. And eating at the palace? For good. I just could not get my head around it. I was given a room at the palace to stay in that night along with a fresh set of clothes. The next day, I was helped aboard a chariot, and we began the journey back home. Two soldiers took turns driving, and a court official sat next to me. I could hardly wait to tell Micah. That's my boy. 
He's not long to turn three. And Makir. He's been so helpful to me. Letting Micah and me stay with him for all these years. I'll miss him. So Rev Brad, back with some questions for reflection. Again, if these questions fit you, great. If they don't, move on. There's a couple other questions. Here's our first one. Have you ever encountered a rival who you thought would take you out, but you were actually surprised by an act of kindness or a posture of humility or something similar? Our second question. Have you ever had anyone who was quote-unquote dead to rights, but instead you showed them kindness or grace? What impact did it have on you, on that person? Our last question for today. In a time of transition, even a good, better transition, have you ever had to say goodbye to someone who had been helpful to you or kind during a barren or dry season? Do you remember who it was? How did you thank them or repay them? Did you? Can you now? Give these a thought. And let's see you next week for episode four, the final installment of Mephibosheth. This is Rev Brad and my good friend Fraser Kay coming to you from the Touchline. Mm-hmm.